This special episode of What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks makes it easy to bring your audience, content, courses, and events all together under one roof. At What Works, we've been a Happy Mighty Networks customer for almost five years. They've helped us build our brand, nurture our community, and explore new ways of supporting small business owners like you. What could a Mighty Network help you do? Find out for yourself by going to MightyNetworks.com. What's the ROI on mental space? What would it be worth to you to get some peace of mind? What would you be willing to do to alleviate a bit of uncertainty from your life or business? I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that explores how small business owners are building stronger businesses without the shoulds and supposed tos. Now, all this month, we've been talking about simplifying and the immense benefits you can experience by building a simple business. We're going to close things out here by taking a look at how operational improvements can create a profound sense of relief and open up mental space that you didn't even know was cluttered. Now, I can easily remember what it was like to run my business before we built solid systems, because cluttered is exactly how I would describe it. Now, it wasn't just the operational clutter, you know, files all over the place, to-do lists scattered all over my desk, and priorities that could change on a whim. It was also the mental clutter. And where did all that mental clutter come from? Well, it was a result of a whole bunch of unhelpful habits and patterns. It was people-pleasing and scarcity thinking and entrepreneurial optimism. I had mental clutter from my habit of trying to remember all of the things instead of documenting stuff. I had mental clutter from avoiding conflict and never setting firm boundaries. And in order to clear up my operational clutter, I also had to clean up those patterns. Because a simple system was never going to stick if my habits were just going to lead me to cluttering things up again. And I think that's where we so often go wrong when it comes to simplifying and cleaning things up. We put smart systems on top of unconscious mental patterns. We try to apply countermeasures without addressing the inner game of business at the same time. If we're building awareness of how and why things get messy or complicated in the first place, then we can design a cleaner system and maintain it, which is great and it gets better. As I mentioned, one of the best benefits of cleaning things up and simplifying is mental space. Once I was less exhausted and emotionally drained from navigating my own cluttered systems, I had way more space for actually helping people. I had more space for learning more. I had space for thinking more. And I had more space for getting creative. Now, you heard Sophie Dale kind of echo this sentiment in episodes 330 and 331 as well. So I'll ask again, what is it worth to you to get that mental space? Now, I ask this not because it requires some financial investment, of course, what it likely requires is the discomfort that comes from doing things a new way. Maybe you decide that to clean things up, you need to start documenting everything you do or track your time or wait three days before you act on a new idea. 
maybe you realize you need to actually check items off in your project management software instead of just checking in to see what's overdue. Maybe you commit to organizing your inbox in another way or following a checklist for tasks that often suffer from overlooked details. I am not making light of any of these choices. These seemingly small operational shifts require a lot of effort in terms of addressing those mental habits we talked about earlier. Changing your habits, both mental and operational, is tough work. It's uncomfortable, and you're going to mess up. Goodness knows I do. The habits you address and the operational choices you make might look pretty different from mine. I have no earthly way of knowing what might be cluttering up your brain. Unless you're blessed with a talent for always keeping things as simple and consistent as possible, you've got something to work on. And it's going to indeed take some work. But it's worth it. It's worth it for the health of your business. And it's worth it for the mental space you'll create after the discomfort passes. Today, I have three more stories of simplifying for you, and they're all on this theme of mental space. Artist Pamela Matei shares how a checklist brought her mental space. Content marketing strategist Lacey Boggs details how getting clear on her offers brought her mental space. And web designer Michaela Ladovania shares how simplifying her payment structure and onboarding system brought her mental space. As you listen to each story, I encourage you to not only listen for the operational takeaways, though there are plenty, I encourage you to consider what kind of mental clutter might keep you from making similar choices. So let's start off with Pamela Matei. Pamela is a fabric artist and creative entrepreneur, and she moonlights on the wardrobe teams of big Broadway productions. I am the epitome of a multi-passionate entrepreneur. By day, I am a fabric artist, creative entrepreneur, and the founder of Designs by Pamela, where I am making the world a more colorful place, one scarf at a time. I love creating a colorful rainbow collection of hand-dyed silk scarves, which have been sold in over 150 galleries in 37 states and Canada. At nights and on the weekends, when I am not set up at an art show, I can often be found working backstage in the theater on the wardrobe crew for some of the biggest Broadway touring shows, as well as concerts featuring the who's who of musical legends and superstars. And in my copious spare time, I freelance as a stage manager for a variety of other productions. I must admit, that that organizational stage manager gene and the need to be prepared spills over into my business and life as well. Somewhere in between all of that, I have developed a platform and a following as a creative catalyst, and I am on a mission to inspire, empower, and support my fellow artists and creative entrepreneurs overcome the overwhelm as they navigate the stages and phases of being an artist and growing their own successful businesses. So that is me in a nutshell. It is kind of tiring just saying all of that. So it is no surprise that I do my best to simplify and streamline my life and business whenever and however possible. 
I would love to tell you more about my story of simplifying. I am a list-making queen. My answer to solution for, or at least first step to just about any problem or solution is to make a list. In my early days as an artist, I remember exhibiting at over a half dozen holiday arts and craft shows over about a five-week period. I found myself feeling like I was constantly reinventing the wheel each and every time I had to pack up the car to exhibit at another show. What do I need to pack? What expendables do I need to replenish? What belongs neatly organized and accessible in my portable office cart or in my electrics tub or in my order packing supply tub? Which display fixtures do I need to take to this particular show? Or what artwork do I want to take? Some shows are stricter than others and only let me display certain pre-juried product lines versus all of those other multi-passionate mediums I like to explore. While other shows, I need an entirely different inventory for my wholesale clients as opposed to my retail customers. I was tired of and completely wasting my time and mental energy reinventing the wheel each and every time I was getting ready for an art show. So what did I do? I made a list. More specifically, I made a packing list for my art shows. The list was broken down into different types of shows. Was this a wholesale show for gallery buyers only or a retail show for the general public? Or did the show have both buyers but on different days? Was this a local show where I could load up the car or a national show across the country that required me to fly and pack suitcases and travel a little lighter than I would have liked? Was this an indoor show? One that perhaps required either a 10 by 10, 10 by 15, or 10 by 20 roll of carpet, depending on which booth size I was using that particular year? Or was this an outdoor show that required me to pack up my tent, sunscreen, and bug spray? I made a seven page two columns per page Word document checklist that had sections for all of the variables and that covered everything from the big picture of the roof or tent over my space to the floor or carpet underneath it and everything in between from the old school knuckle buster credit card swiper machine right down to the minutia of miniature safety pens to add hanging tags to any scarves that I dyed at the last minute and needed to add to my backup inventory on site during the show. Each time I did a show, I would print off the checklist weeks in advance. I would start by crossing off anything that I did not need at that particular show. Then I would go item by item and check off each thing as I packed it or replenished it. In those early years, if I was ever at a show and I did not have something I needed, I would add it to the list and have it for the next show. If an artist friend or out-of-state booth neighbor would come over and say, Hey, Pamela, do you have such and such? I either had it 
or had something that could be MacGyvered into accomplishing the goal. Over a decade later, I still use that list. And nowadays, I rarely have to add anything to it. Other than things like updating items, thanks to the evolution of technology that has allowed me to replace that old school knuckle buster credit card machine with a credit card reader that plugs into my phone or tablet. Thankfully, I now have the peace of mind knowing the odds are slim that I will ever forget anything or not have what I need. My inner stage manager geeks out each time I print off the list and knows that I am totally prepared. The peace of mind knowing I will have everything I need is priceless. Anytime I think about checklists, I'm reminded of an interview with Atul Gawande on Fresh Air many years ago. Gawande is a surgeon and the author of The Checklist Manifesto, in which he really digs into how checklists save lives, among other positive results. And he definitely addresses the sort of psychological discomfort that comes from following a checklist. He writes, quote, It somehow feels beneath us to use a checklist, an embarrassment. It runs counter to deeply held beliefs about how the truly great among us, those we aspire to be, handle situations of high stakes and complexity. The truly great are daring. They improvise. They do not have protocols and checklists. Maybe our idea of heroism needs updating. It's so funny how our perception of what the real professionals do impacts the way we work so much and how often we get it really, really wrong. The pros, they use checklists. They know that they make mistakes and checklists are a proven way to spend less time worrying about mistakes or fixing them and more time doing what matters. Pamela gets this because she's a pro. Now, let's hear from Lacey Boggs, the founder of the Content Direction Agency. Lacey was used to leaving a lot of wiggle room in what her agency could offer. But when she decided to make some changes to how she packaged the work they did, she found some serious clarity and mental space. One thing I've been simplifying over the last year or so in my business is my offers. As a service provider, a copywriter in my case, (laughs) Uh, it's easy to say yes to lots of different things. So, you know, as a copywriter, I and my my writers on my team, we have skills to write lots and lots of different things. Um, so, you know, we can write website copy, we can write emails, we can write blog posts, we can write Instagram captions. <laughs> I used to say anything with words, we can handle it. But what I found is that it's very difficult to market everything. <laughs> It's much, much easier to have a productized, if you will, set of offers or services that you can speak about very easily. So last year, uh, I've been trying for the last nine years to crack the nut on consistent lead generation. Um, I've tried lots of different things. Lots of different things work somewhat. (laughs) And and, uh, I've been trying to find, you know, what is the easiest, most efficient, most consistent way to generate leads. About 70% of our business comes from referrals, which is fantastic. It's something I'm very proud of, but it's also not incredibly consistent or predictable, right? Uh, You can't predict necessarily when somebody's going to have that conversation and say, oh, you need to know my friend Lacey. 
So I've been looking for something to, to supplement that. And um, last year, I decided to hire a, a Facebook ads agency to give it a try. They were offering a, a program specifically for agency owners like myself. But one of the things they needed was a very productized offer. And when I say productized, I just mean that it's, it's very clear from the outset what you're offering and what people get. So I couldn't be super wishy-washy and say like, well, we can do lots of different things. If you need 12 blog posts, we can do that. If you need one blog post, we can do that, right? I had to actually say what I did. And what that's done for me is it, it helped me create that sort of mythical three-tiered offer structure where you have the low end, the medium, and the high end. And it helped me get very clear on what was included with each one. And since then, it's gotten a lot easier not just to market what I'm doing, but also to sell. Because when people get on the phone with me, they already have in mind what they want. And if they need, so I'm not actually being slavish to it. If I need to adjust something, if they're like, well, I really want a blog post and an email, I'm like, cool, we can do that, right? But from a marketing standpoint, it's become much simpler to talk about what we do, talk about our work, and uh, convey it in a way that other people understand. And in fact, uh, my next step is to actually get even more granular in the ads and in the uh, landing page for the ads to really just get very, very clear on what we're offering. Uh, Right now, the ads say something like, we create content, and I want to get even more specific and say, we write blog posts. (laughs) Um, Because it's just that much easier to talk about what we do and how we do it. The other half of this equation is that I have just doubled down on marketing those services that I've now gotten very clear around. And so that means that I'm getting ready, I'm, I'm working up the courage, I guess I would say, to sort of kill off my suite of courses and products that I've created over the years. They'll still be available to people who have already produced them, but I will no longer be marketing them. And I've it's also got helped me get really clear on where I want to go next. So I've just launched an, a mastermind, a small group mastermind that I'm going to do to help thought leaders who need the time and space to come up with the ideas before they outsource to us. So it's it's gotten, even though um, that's adding a new thing, I still feel like it's part of simplifying because it's helped me get really clear around what we want to offer. Lacey's offer clarity echoes what Bridget Lyons shared in episode 331 about Podcast Ally and what I shared in episode 332 about Yellow House Media. When you're always willing to make an exception or design the scope of a product to please a client who might not be coming to you for your best work, things get cluttered. But a clear package designed to allow you to do your best and help your clients get great results creates a lot of mental clarity and space. Now, finally, let's hear from Michaela Ladavagna, the founder of a boutique web design agency called Beachside Studio. Michaela shares how a couple of small operational changes ended up bringing both her and her clients a lot of peace of mind. I love to keep things simple and make things as easy as possible for all involved. So I'm always looking at ways I can simplify or tweak my systems to achieve that. And there's a few things that I did to improve my systems, especially my client onboarding system. 
So one thing, when I first started uh, working as a web designer or actually freelancing as a designer, I would always break up the payments in three payments. So it would be a percentage to book the project and then a percentage once a certain milestone has been met and then a percentage once the project has been completed. And what happened was that I would have to remember every time to send the invoice when the milestone when we've met the milestone and remember every time before I deliver the final files or the final project to send out that invoice. And so instead what I changed to was a monthly payment uh, option for my clients. So I tried that out and I offered two, four or six monthly payments to my clients depending on what would fit their budget the best. And uh, I've been doing that for the last, I think, two or three years and I honestly I won't turn back it's just made things so much simpler because then when I onboard the client the client lets me know what payment plan they prefer and I just set up those invoices to be sent to them automatically so I don't need to worry about remembering when I need to send what invoice and all of that and it's also a lot better for my clients the feedback that I've got from them was like that they um, knew once a month uh, invoice would be coming from me so they could budget for that and it wasn't oh we're not 100% sure when that invoice is going to come because it would depend on the milestone so it made them and their um, accounting a lot easier knowing that this invoice would come on a specific date each month and for them to be able to make those payments it also makes it more a little bit more affordable for them because they can break out break up the payment over how many ever months will best suit them so I really and love that. I really enjoy doing that. And I've never had any clients actually miss a payment at all. And I've been doing it for, like I said, like two to three years already. So many times the project would actually be completed and they still um, owe me some payments. And I've never had any problems with clients um, not actually making those payments. So yeah, I really love that. And then with that, what I... What I also actually did was I used to use Dubsado and, you know, the onboarding process was a little bit uh, time consuming on my end. I would have to send them the proposal and they would then have to um, approve it. Then I would have to ask them, okay, what payment schedule would they like? And then I would send them the contract and then the first invoice, right? And set that all up. However, I found another tool called Better Proposal and now I can send everything in one go. So I send the proposal to them. Within the proposal, they can then choose which package they want if there is more than one package for them to choose from. They can also choose which payment plan they would like and then they can sign the contract and make the first payment all in one go. So it really has simplified things on my end because I just set up that one Uh, I just send that one document to them that has everything included in it. And it also makes the process really smooth for my client um, because they can just click on the things that they want and and complete it. So they don't don't actually need to wait for me to come back with the contract or wait for me to come back with the invoice. It's all in one go and it's super smooth for them. And with Better Proposal, what I have is I actually have pre-created templates. So that also helps me with that process as the templates are already created. So I just choose which one would be and edit it and then send it to the client so yeah so those are a few things that I've done to simplify my onboarding process um, and it's just been really helpful 
not just for myself and my and the time and making things a little bit more streamlined on my end, but it's been really amazing for my clients too and improving on the experience that they have um, with me and my business. Onboarding has got to be one of the most underrated opportunities to make everything easier for you and your client. The stronger your onboarding process is, the less stress there is later on. I love that Michaela pinpointed working on her onboarding systems as such a key shift in how she approaches her business. And I also love that she recognizes how much this benefits her and her mental space, but also for her clients and their mental space. Now that you've heard about these simple changes to how things get done for Pamela, Lacey, and Michaela, what are you thinking about simplifying or decluttering? What operational change could clear out a whole lot of mental space for you? And what mental habits will you have to address in order to make it happen? Now, the What Works Network has been discussing questions like these all month long. They've been reporting back with ideas for how to streamline things, as well as the relief they feel realizing they can let some things go. Next month here on the podcast and inside the What Works Network, we're deep diving into building an audience. And specifically, we're looking at how building an audience is not the same thing as finding clients. We'll be unpacking why you might be focused on doing one and not the other, and how that could be impacting your bottom line. If you're ready to take a look at how you can find more customers with or without the usual tactics like email marketing or social media, now is the time to join the What Works Network. You'll get in on this month's deep dive on marketing, plus you'll get access to June's members-only virtual conference on building a team and building your network. You'll also get access to tools and templates you can use to run your business in the Stronger Business Playbook, plus weekly support events, our private podcast feed, and go-at-your-own-pace support on our dedicated community platform. And the best part? You're going to get to meet thoughtful, experienced, and generous business owners like Pamela, Michaela, and Lacey. To get all the details and to join us, go to explorewhatworks.com slash network. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Lou Blazer. Our production assistant is Emily Kilduff. And this episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Special production help on this episode from Shannon Paris. Huge thanks to Pamela Matei, Lacey Boggs, and Michaela Ladavania for sharing their stories. What Works is recorded on the ancestral homeland of the Susquehannock and Conestoga people in what is now known as Lidditz, Pennsylvania. The Yellow House is located on the unceded land of the Kutunaha Nation in what is now called Kalispell, Montana. 